Welcome, Dr. James Beckett, Sports Card Insights here with Ken Capel. We're going to talk about insuring your card collection. That's a good idea. Actually, it's not a bad idea, but it's it maybe doesn't fit everybody, but everybody should consider it. So Ken and I are going to bat that around for 15 minutes and enjoy that. Uh, he's a longtime hobbyist, so we sure have that in common, and he's contributed uh, to this uh, podcast in uh, previous episodes. So thanks, sponsors, Tops Panini, Upper Deck, Beckett Media, Beckett Grading, Beckett Authentication, Compsy.com, Heritage Auctions, Huggins Scott Auctions, Burbank Sports Cards, and Mike Stadium Sports Cards. Went through that pretty quick. That's not a measure of my esteem for them, but I want to get to the meat of the episode with Ken. So Ken, welcome, and uh, tell us a little bit about your background. We can know where you're coming from on this insurance question. Yeah, thank you for having me. Uh, yeah, I am a licensed insurance agent. I have been a licensed insurance agent, had my licenses in specifically property casualty as well as life and health since about 1990. So I have been around the block a time or two. And I actually have a degree in finance and insurance from Bowling Green State University, which I know is a, a, a falcon. I know Dr. Beckett uh, used to teach there. I missed you, though. You were there and gone before I was able to get there. I think I missed you by a few years. Ancient history. Yeah, I guess. yeah. It was close, but not quite. Yeah. So yeah, I've been in the, I've been in the uh, PNC industry, and I've had a lot of different titles, including claims. Unfortunately, I've seen the bad side of this, but also the good side of when you take care of what your collections, how it can really make a difference. Because it's one of those things, you don't need insurance until it needs you. And it's not one of, it's one of those situations that you don't want to be caught blindsided. So that's that's my history. So I have a long history with it and a long collector too. I've been collecting since about 1974. Ken, uh, in your experience and just what you've heard and what you've personally experienced, when, when a collector has a loss, something in their home, whether it's a flood, fire, theft, whatever, when their cards are part of that claim, how many of these collectors are surprised that collectibles get a different treatment than other kinds of possessions and assets that a person has since they are quote unquote collectibles. And is that it's not necessarily in the fine print because it's probably capitalized and bolded, but you can't say, Hey, I never told you about this card collection, but in the fire it was burned up and I had this huge dollar amount of cards. Do you have stories about that or how can the insurance company uh, educate that is a two-part question. The first part is, yes, I've seen it on the bad side. It's one of those things that the insurance agent doesn't know what they don't know. So you have to have that open dialect. And one of the things that I've always tried to do is meet, know the customer, get to talk with them. What are your interests? What gets you up in the morning? Not just your job and your family, but your recreation time as well. Okay. And that simple conversation kind of brings out what the value, what's important to you. So if you're having that conversation, you shouldn't be surprised because then you can insure it properly. See, a lot of people look, don't really read the fine print. And when I say the fine print, every insurance policy comes with an actual booklet that's attached to it that explains what's covered and what's not covered. And they just look at the bottom line and they look at the policy and say, well, I've got X thousands of dollars for contents in the home. My couches and bed and refrigerator don't equal that much, so the rest of it can go to my card collection. Unfortunately, that's not how it works. And most insurance companies have a standardized policy, a policy form. And what the surprising thing is, it usually only covers about $2,500. There's a limit. There's a dollar limit for other stuff that's not uh, specified. One of the benefits, I don't know if you would fall in this category, but I, I remember this expressly with our uh, commercial, uh, our business insurance, because I had some fabulous agents over the years. And one of the services they provided, which was in mutual best interest, they would do a walkthrough. And they would make suggestions that for, gee, I wouldn't be keeping this there or make this less obvious or, or not as accessible. 
Uh, and so there were a lot of helpful hints. Do you, and that, like I said, in the year of COVID, you can't necessarily go walking through somebody's house. Uh, but if you did, you'd say, hey, you got a lot of nice cards there. Uh, perhaps you don't know, but your cards are not explicitly covered unless you declare them. And uh, but you don't know that, like I say, you don't know what to ask unless you knew they were collector. What do you think about it? not every card, not every insurance company markets equally aggressively to collectors? There's certain companies that that seem to like to write those policies. Yeah, it's funny, and and that's one of the things most companies do. I haven't come across any of the insurance companies, the major ones at least, that don't. What you have to do though is. They're, they're under different names. Some of them might be a personal articles policy. And a lot of people think of jewelry and furs and silverware and gold, that type of things as a, a, you know, as a personal articles policy. The term, the business term is called Inland Marine. So it might go that way, but most of the companies call it personal articles policy. And the beauty of that is, and this is what, what I coach to, is you can actually have your collection insured and it's not at the value that you predetermine prior to the claim when you actually write the policy. And it's great that we have a system out there, your old company, that you can get valuations on these and be able to store them. I, I personally use Marketplace and Organize to be able to have everything that I want. That way it's documented. And you get this price and then it becomes all risk. So a lot of people don't know, flood insurance only covers the building itself. Most policies don't cover damage from flood. So that's an automatic exclusion on a policy. So even though if you have $2,500, it still has to be a covered peril. Right. Where like fire, theft, vandalism. But with a personal articles policy, it's all risk. It's covered. Now you pay an additional premium for it, which it's worth it. But you can choose not to have any type of deductible. And B, you can say, this is the value that I'm going to put my collection at. Make sure you have safety. You make sure you have the pictures to be able to prove that it is and also have it stored maybe in a database or, or a file somewhere where you can then go back to it. And then your claim time is cut in half. Now, what you got to remember too is insurance companies will pay what it costs to replace the item up to that scheduled amount, obviously. So if you have a card in your collection that is, especially during this time, has gone up exponentially in the last couple months, you may want to talk to your agent and have that amended because if they can replace it for less, they'll do that. If it's a common, if it's a common and one thing says $20, you can find it on one of your, you know, comp C for five, they'll replace it for the five. But if it goes up past 20, that's what you have it scheduled for. So it's important to do that. And the premiums are, are really not too bad. I, I don't think considering what the value of your cards are worth. In your experience, is the greatest danger to a collector uh, theft or fire? It depends on how much you broadcast it. If, you know, it, fire is probably the biggest thing. That is probably what we see the most of, but theft is a close second because especially if what's there. Right now, the industry is, it's a lot of people are out there promoting a lot of things and it's great, but at the same point, it's a curse because where are you storing those things? Are they in your house? Are they in a safety deposit box or somewhere? So it could, it just depends on where you are and what, what your thought is and how well you advertise that you're big into sports cards. Well, newsflash, I can highly recommend, do not do this. Do not store your cards in the kitchen because <laughs> most fires, uh, more than half the fires that are in homes start in the kitchen. So find a room that's as far away from the kitchen as you can get and uh, put your cards there. I'll tell you another one that's not a good one to store them in. Under Back. your Christmas tree. <laughs> uh, I had a claim one time where a gentleman got a pretty nice set that he, as a Christmas get together from his wife and they were all happy in the Christmas tree, stayed too long, dried up, burned up and took his collection with him. 
that's not a good uh, image there. We had almost a, 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 would tornado be the same thing as flood in terms of the uh, contents? It is. Well, no, because it is a little different with a tornado. In certain areas of the country, you have to look at there. Like where I live, tornadoes are not a big thing. And it's more considered a, a fire theft, vandalism, windstorm acclaim. Where maybe in certain part of countries like Tornado Alley, there may be a little bit. So definitely talk to your local agent that they can help you with that. Do you know whether, it's a trick question, do you know whether BGS, PSA, SGC, if those slabs are waterproof or smokeproof or fireproof? I don't think they're fireproof. I'm pretty what sure I, they're not fireproof. <laughs> yeah. Smokeproof, it really depends. You would not believe where smoke can get into. Waterproof, I think it would depend on how submerged it was and for how long. That's a good test. I may want to take one of my cards that is not of much of a value to me and put it into a fishbowl for a couple hours and see how it works. Uh, don't put a valuable card in there. Yeah, I don't think no. they even promise that they are, but it's um, unless it's perfectly hermetically sealed. And even then, if you put enough pressure on it, who knows? So I, I don't think, I'm not sure any, I know when we were uh, developing BGS, we wanted to have the, the best and the strongest holder, but it's still, it's still, uh, I wouldn't be, I wouldn't be putting it in the, in the fishbowl. Uh, consequently, if you had a fire and the fire department rushes in, what are you going to tell them? Hey, don't turn on the hoses. <laughs> you know, exactly. Uh, Save this part. Or, yeah. you know, or unfortunately, if the fire's going, what are you going to do? Save your pet or go save your cards. That's why. But you got to be that way. You can put priorities first, family first, and then think about what you got to do after that. I recommend it. I don't, would the insurance company recommend something like you might be because you're savvy and you're a collector? I've always wondered if the savvy insurance company wouldn't say, you know what, we're going to give you a better premium if you keep these more expensive cards at a safe deposit box where you're really secure. Is that like a two-tiered kind of a thing to where, because that's kind of what I do. My most valuable cards, I'll keep at the bank. And so I, I'm not going to be worried about uh, having a claim with my insurance guy because they, and, and it's declared what's there and, and what's here. The nice thing is, and that is a great idea, but they've taken care of that in the fact with the bank. You know, like in your case with the safety deposit box, those are cards that I would not put on a schedule. I would not pay the additional premium for those because they're already taken care of. I would put what I have is I have my top 100 cards insured and it's a rotating thing, but I have that. And then you can get the, and they give, you can get any amount that you want uh, at a minimum. So if they, they, the premiums usually go about for every hundred dollars worth of coverage, you'll pay say 75 cents in premium per year. And then if you decide to buy a deductible, you can buy that down up to an additional 25%. So it's, it's a pretty good deal when you think about it to have all risk. And then for me, some of my common and base cards from the 2000s and 2010s, I don't have them scheduled because it's not worth the premium. But I, my Derek Jeter SP rookie card, that I have insured because you know, it's graded. I have that because if something were to happen to that, I'd be pretty sad. And uh, would, in your experience in the industry, would you say that when there is a, when there is a fire, generally it needs to not be suspicious? It can't be somebody... Well, and same thing with a theft, that it, it can't be an inside job. It needs to be a, a random group that's working their way through the neighborhood and busted in when you were out of town or something and thought, hey, this looks interesting. This person obviously puts value on these cards and they're graded up without even knowing the value. Is most of the theft inside jobs that are knowledgeable or is it just malicious mischief? I think it's mostly malicious mischief. Unless you're, unless some of the people you're hanging with at the card shows are unscrupulous people, then they may be able to track down. But for the most part, most of the claims, it's just a random thing where they got in there and they said, wait a minute, what's all this? And this is worth something. And today's marketplace and, and the way the hobby is going, furs aren't a thing anymore. Furs aren't as big or silverware. They're looking now for some of these, for some collections of some kind. The publicity uh, in the hobby of these uh, six and seven figure 
prices for newer cards makes people uh, stop and think. But again, I don't think that it's it's hard for people to know. I have I've talked about my little wall of fame thing where I list it's my top thousand cards, and there'll be a five dollar card right next to a fifty dollar card, right next to a five hundred dollar card, and you could for the most part pick those out, but only an advanced collector would know because the $5 one sometimes looks more valuable or shinier than the $500 ones. You'd have to know uh, what it is and somebody that's on drugs and <laughs> looking for a quick hit. And then of course, if you're, if you have graded cards, they have serial numbers and things like that. So uh, very interesting, Ken. So you recommend that people should talk to their, if they already have something with their homeowners, you're saying that their homeowner agent ought to be able to accommodate this. Yes. And is that, is that farmed out? to one central group that, that does that? Or does each insurance company do it on their own? It depends really on the insurance company and the size of the insurance company. If you're with one of the 10 top insurance companies, they have it within their own, you know? And then if you're with a smaller startup company or one that's not very big, not one of your top 10 per se, the, the names that ring a bell, they may be farming it out. A lot of times to, some, to, to somebody with the, in the top 10. Yeah. Uh, also the collection value you start if you start getting into millions of dollars worth, then that will probably go to the secondary market, like the Lloyds of London, the ones that do the special collections. What a great note to end on, on the Lloyds of London. But that's every collector's aspiration to have a collection that's that valuable. And the rate things are going, the, the, the Lloyds of London will be interested in our industry. So thanks, Ken Capel. Thanks, listeners. Be back uh, tomorrow with another episode and have a great Labor Day. <laughs>